Hello, hello, hello. You are listening to the Lyrical Audio Candy Tour. This is where we explore books, poetry, and quotes that please every taste. So, come on, let's go, let's go. Third installment this weekend, letters 24 through 27. Enjoy. Letter 24. Le Vicomte de Vamont to the Presidente de Tervelle. Oh, madame, take pity on me and quieten, I beg you, the torments of my soul. Tell me what I may have cause to hope or dread, suspended between the excess of happiness and the excess of misery as I am. Uncertainty is a cruel torment for me. Why did I tell you anything? Why did I not resist the imperious charm which made me express my feelings to you? Content as I was to worship you in silence, at least I could take pleasure in my loving. And this pure feeling, untroubled by the image of your pain, was enough to make me perfectly happy. But since I have seen your tears flow, my fount of happiness has become one of despair. Once having heard that cruel, Oh, woe is me! Madame, those words echo and re-echo in my heart. Why must it be that the sweetest of feelings only give you cause for alarm? What is the nature of your fear? Ah! <sighs> It cannot be that you fear to share my feeling. Your heart, which has been so little known to me, is not made for loving. Mine, which you never cease to vilify, is the one which is touched, whereas yours lacks even compassion. If this were not so, you would not have refused a word of consolation to the poor wretch who recounted his suffering to you. You would not have removed yourself from his gaze when his only pleasure was in seeing you. You would not have played so cruelly upon his anxiety by sending to say you were indisposed without allowing him to go and acquaint himself with your state. You would have realized that this very night, which for you was twelve hours in which to rest, would be for him a century of pain. Tell me, why do I deserve this harsh treatment? I am not afraid to take you as my judge, so what have I done? Except yield unwillingly to a feeling inspired by beauty and justified by virtue, always held in check by respect. My innocent avowal was prompted by trust and not by hope. Will you betray it? this trust that you yourself have seemed to allow me to place in you, and to which I have delivered myself up without reserve? No, I cannot believe it. It would be to suppose you capable of wrongdoing, and my heart cries out at the very idea. I retract my reproach. I can set it down on paper, but I cannot think it. <sighs> Let me believe in your perfection. That is the only pleasure I have left. Prove to me that you are perfect by granting me your generous attention. 
What poor unfortunate have you helped, who has had as much need of it as me? Do you not abandon me in the turmoil into which you have plunged me? Lend me your reason, since you have taken away mine, and after you have set me on the right path, enlighten me and complete your work. I do not wish to mislead you. You will not succeed in vanquishing my love. But you will teach me to manage it by guiding me in what I do, by telling me what I should say. You will at least save me from the terrible misfortune of displeasing you. Above all, banish my desperate fear. Tell me you forgive me, that you are sorry for me. Assure me of your indulgence. You could never grant all the indulgence I crave from you. I lay claim to what I need. Will you refuse? Farewell, madame. I beg you will receive this homage of my feelings, which in no way lessens the homage of my respect. From 20 August 17. Letter 25. The Vicomte de Vermont to Marquise de Montreuil. Here's yesterday's bulletin. At eleven, I went to Madame de Rosemonde's, and under her auspices, was introduced into the rooms of my so-called invalid, who was still in bed. Her eyes were very heavy. I hope she slept as badly as I did. I seized the chance when Madame de Rosemonde withdrew a little to pass my letter to her. She refused to accept it, but I left it on the bed, and very properly made to pull up an armchair for my elderly aunt, who wished to be near her dear child. She had to quickly conceal the letter to avoid any scandal. The invalid said guilelessly that she thought she had a slight fever. Madame de Rosemonde bade me to feel her pulse, all the while boasting of my knowledge of medical matters. So my beauty was doubly put out, in that she was obliged to give me her arm, and knew that her little lie would be found out. In fact, I took her hand and held it in mine, while I ran my other hand up and down her soft, dimpled arm. The crafty young woman would not respond in any way, which made me say as I left her, There is no sign of any agitation at all. I guessed that she would be looking daggers at me, and so in order to punish her I did not meet her eyes. A moment later, she announced that she wished to get up, and we left her alone. She appeared at dinner, which was a dismal affair. She announced she would not go for a walk, which was a way of telling me that I should not have any occasion to speak with her. I felt that it would be just the moment to give her a sigh and a pained look. Undoubtedly, she was expecting this, for it was the only occasion in the day that our eyes met. She may be a good girl, but like every other woman, she has her little tricks. I found a moment to ask her if she had had the kindness to let me know my fate, and was somewhat surprised to hear her say, Yes, Monsieur, I have written you a letter, 
I was in a great hurry to have this letter, but whether it was another trick or lack of skill or shyness, she did not give it to me until evening, at the moment when she retired to her room. I am sending it to you with a rough copy of my own. Read it and judge for yourself. See with what the supreme hypocrisy she declares that she is not in love with me, when I am sure the opposite is the case. And then she will complain if I lie to her later, when she does not hesitate to lie to me now. My dear, even the cleverest of men cannot hope to keep up with the truest of women. But I shall have to pretend to believe all this nonsense, and wear myself out with despair, because it pleases madame to play at being cruel. How can one not take revenge on such villainy? <sighs> Patience. But, adieu, I still have much to write. By the way, send me back the monster's letter. It is possible that in time she might want to put a price on these wretched things, and I must ensure that all is in order. I have not written to you about the little Volange girl. We will talk soon about her. Chateau de 22, August 17. Letter 26, the Presidente de Tervella to the Vicomte de Valmont. You would certainly, Monsieur, receive no letter from me, did not. My stupid behavior of yesterday even obliged me to give you some explanation today. Yes, I admit I wept. Perhaps also the three words which you are at pains to quote did escape me. Tears and words. You notice everything. Therefore, I must account for everything. Accustomed as I am to inspire nothing but honorable feelings, to hear only words which I can listen to without blushing, and consequently to enjoy a security which I venture to say I deserve, I am unable to hide or combat what I am presently going through. The surprise and embarrassment your actions have thrown me into an indefinable fear inspired by a situation which ought never to have come about. Perhaps the revulsion of seeing myself taken for one of those women you despise, and being treated as lightly. All of these things contrived to provoke my tears and cause me to say, with reason, I believe, that I was wretched. This expression, which you find so violent, would surely be no means violent enough, if, like my tears, it had been prompted by something else, if instead of disproving of those sentiments which caused me offense, I feared that I might share them. No, Monsieur, I do not have that fear. If I had, I should run a hundred miles from you. I should go to some solitary place and lament my misfortune in having met you even perhaps in spite of the certainty I have, that I do not, and never shall, love you. Perhaps I should have done better to follow the counsels of my friends, and not allow you near me. I believed, and that was my one mistake, that you would respect an honest woman, whose only wish was to find you honest too, and to see that justice was done to you, who was already coming to your defense, 
when you were violating her with your wicked intentions. You do not know me. No, Monsieur. You do not know me, or you would not have believed you could make your wrongdoing seem righteous, or spoken words to me that I should not hear, or believed you were authorized to write a letter I ought not to have read. And you ask me to guide you in what you do, tell you what you should say? Well then, Monsieur, say nothing. Forget everything. This is the advice it is fitting for me to give you. This is the advice it is fitting for you to follow. And then you will indeed have a right to my indulgence. It will be up to you whether, beyond that, you win the right to my gratitude. But no, I shall ask nothing from a person who has shown me no respect. I shall not bestow a mark of trust upon someone who has abused my confidence. You force me to fear you, perhaps to hate you. I do not wish it. I only wanted to see you, the nephew of my most honored friend. I set the voice of friendship against the accusatory voice of public opinion. You have ruined everything. And I foresee you will not wish to make amends. I can find myself to saying, Monsieur, that your sentiments offend me, that your admitting them affronts me, and, above all, that, far from coming one day to share in them, you will oblige me never to set eyes upon you again, unless you impose upon this matter a silence. It seems to me I have the right to expect and even demand from you. I am enclosing... With this letter, the one you wrote, and I hope you will have the goodness to send this one back as well. I should be truly troubled if there remained the least trace of an incident that never should have occurred. I have the honor to be, etc. From 21 August 17. Letter 27, Cécile Volange, to the Marquise de Montreuil. Heavens, how kind you are to me, madame. How well you understand that it is easier for me to write than to speak to you. For what I have to say is very difficult. But you are my friend, are you not? Oh, yes, my very good friend. I'm going to try to not be shy. Besides, I need you and your advice so much. I have such troubles. It seems to me that the whole world knows what I am thinking, especially when he is there. I blush as soon as people look at me. Yesterday, when you saw me weeping, it was because I wanted to talk to you, and then, I don't know what it was, but something prevented me. And when you asked me what the matter was, my tears started up again in spite of myself. I was unable to say a word. If it had not been for you, Mamma would have noticed. And then what should I have done? Yet that is what my life has been like, especially these last four days. That was the day, Madame, yes, 
I'm going to tell you everything. That was the day Monsieur le Chevalier d'Anceny wrote to me. <sighs> I do assure you that when I found his letter, I had no idea at all what it was. But I cannot lie to you. I cannot say that it did not give me a great deal of pleasure when I read it. Do you know that I would rather be miserable for the rest of my life than that he had not written it? Yet I knew perfectly well. I must not tell him so. And I can even assure you that I gave him to understand I was offended by it. But he says it is stronger than him. And I can well believe it, for I have resolved not to reply, and yet I could not help it. Oh, I only wrote to him once, and partly only to tell him not to write to me again. But in spite of that, he still writes. And when I do not reply, I can see that it hurts him, and that hurts me even more. So I no longer know what to do, or where to turn, and I am greatly to be pitied. Tell me, I beg you, madame, would it be very bad of me to reply now and again, just to give him time to take it upon himself to stop writing, and to be as we were before? For as far as I'm concerned, if it carries on much longer, I do not know what will become of me. When I was reading his last letter, you know, I thought I should never stop weeping, and I am quite sure that if I still do not reply, we shall both be very miserable. I am going to send you his letter, too, or a copy of it, and you shall be the judge. You will see that he is not asking anything wicked of me. However, if you think that I must not write, I promise you I will not do so. But I think you will share my feeling that there is nothing wrong with it. While I'm on the subject, madame, may I ask you something else? I have been told that it is wicked to fall in love with someone. But why? What makes me ask is that Monsieur le Chamoyer d'Anceny claims that it is not in the least bit wrong, and that almost everyone is in love with somebody. If that is the case, I do not know why I should be the sole exception. Or... Is it only wicked if you are a young girl? For I have heard Mamma herself say that Madame D loved Monsieur M, and she did not seem to be suggesting that it was so very bad. Yet I am sure she would be cross with me if she had any inkling of my friendship with Monsieur Donsny. She still treats me like a child, does Mamma, and she never tells me anything. When she took me out of the convent, I thought it was to arrange a marriage for me. But at the moment, it seems that this is not the case. It is not that I am fretting over it. I assure you, but you, who are such a good friend to her, perhaps you know about it. And if you do, I hope you will tell me. This is a very long letter, madame. But since you have allowed me to write you, I have taken the opportunity to tell you everything, and I count on your friendship. I have the honor to be, etc. Pelly, 23, August 17. 
Thank you so much for stopping by. And I want to let you know that actually this is released on this podcast and my other one, The Lover's Book and Poetry Club. And I have to actually do two intros and two outros when I load these letters. So it is a little time consuming. So in the other podcast, I mentioned that I have Audacity software and I have this capability to reduce noise in the background. Well, it's funny because the little birdies that are in the background, they are real and they were not removed. So occasionally when you're listening, you can hear these little birds chirping. And then a plane flew by and I couldn't remove it. It just wouldn't go away. So it's, I mean, in one hand, on one hand, I like the birds, but on the other hand, I don't like the airplane necessarily going through because it's kind of loud. So I guess you take the good with the bad, right? Anyway. Yeah, lucky you guys, you get three installments in one weekend. I hope you enjoyed. Thank you so much for coming back, and I hope you keep coming back. I'm going to release these as I read them. I originally had thought I'll just get ahead of the game, and I'll just keep all of these things in my queue and release one each you know, month or two a month or whatever. But I think what I'm going to do is just try to group them into small sections, like three to four letters each, so it's about 20 minutes of listening time, roughly. And I think that's gonna work out better for everybody, better for myself. Make an effort to, you know, on the days off, like this weekend I head off, I read quite a bit. And, you know, you wouldn't think that the reading process takes a long time. The reading is not that long. It's the editing that will kick your butt. If anyone's ever done any podcasting or, streaming or have their own YouTube channel or whatever it is, you'll, you understand what I'm talking about. So if you see something that took 20 minutes, oh, it doesn't take 20 minutes to create. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) Hours, hours. So it is a labor of love and I really do appreciate that you're coming back and enjoying what I'm creating. So have a beautiful evening and I'll catch you the next reading.